what makes Canadian beer different than beer in the U.S.? I don't know. There's there's not much of a difference because I've been going to like a lot of local, you know, breweries and before this whole lockdown hit and all that stuff happened uh, earlier last year. Uh, we went out to this place called Collective Arts Brewing. They had like a nice beer garden and really tasty beers. It was a nice sunny day and stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of the same experience if people like in the U.S. It was like where we went out, we went to like, what was that place? Rustico. We try out these new beers. They're awesome and stuff. They're kind of the same, if you will, but they also differ in terms of like tastes are different and it's not like I have like an apples to apples comparison. It's like so I went out, I drank a specific tangerine IPA. It's not just like, like, it's not just like maple syrup and everything. While I would like that, being a big fan of maple syrup, Sadly, that's not the case. However, I've heard that there's, like, in Quebec, they have, um, I think it's Coca-Cola flavored with maple syrup. They sell that. That's a real thing, and oh. people actually like it. And I've never tasted it, and they've, like, everyone's been telling me, you know, at my company, they're like, you should definitely go try it out. And yeah, I mean, I could definitely get on board with that. Uh, you know, I was thinking just, like, everything, all Canadian beers will be named, like, Moose Tears and, like, called, you know... There, there's there's quite a few uh actually quite a few breweries i think like moose head and moose something and yeah there's a lot of moose named beers and that's, other breweries yeah i think that's fair i i had i think the best ice cream i've ever had in my life was when i was in uh uh i guess it was near uh i guess it was is that a little town near niagara falls called niagara on the lake but it's that it was some maple oh. syrup themed ice cream it was it was amazing that and I had ice wine, so a new kind of alcohol, which I can never complain. Oh yeah, about. that's true. I had ice wine the first time I think in 2019 when you when I was visiting the first time and you told me that you should try it out. It was actually pretty nice. It's something new. So yeah, yeah. but which reminds me, like two weeks ago, um, it was my wife's birthday, and we were like, we decided to do like a beer tasting because we couldn't go out anywhere because of the whole lockdown situation. So. We went out, we got like 14 different kinds of like local beers, mm-hmm. you know, ranging from light and crispy lagers to medium and hoppy ales, like full-bodied stouts. And oh my goodness, that was like an amazing experience. Hell of a night, sounds like. Oh yeah. Or a day. More of like a day, yeah. Because yeah. we started like 12 in the afternoon. and then I think we ended that evening with, okay, these are not obviously local uh, beers, but the ones we had were... I think it was like a Jamaican stout called Red Dragon. And I, I don't know why, but it was, I just wanted to have it. And yeah, oof. Two of those like knocked me out. That was it. Like, I couldn't drink anything after that. I was done. Yeah, that stout's going to be a little heavy for sure. Especially that one, that one, because it was a Jamaican stout. And I was expecting something completely different, but they were actually very tasty. How's the, uh, how's like the full time pen testing game treating you? It has been amazing. Uh, I've been doing this for like, a year now. I actually completed one year a week and a half ago. So okay. yeah, it's been Congrats. going great. Thank you. It's been going really well. It's been web app pen tests for the most part and a few, you know, like internal network pen tests, external pen tests. But yeah, learned a lot. It's uh, most of the times I'm looking at new things, new apps, new technologies, new frameworks, because there's new things every day. But apart from that, I mean, yeah. It's been like a constant, it's been exhausting also, 
I wouldn't say that it's all, you know, like, happy and oh, I'm enjoying my life and stuff. You do get to the point where it gets like, oh, there's so much more stuff to learn. But also then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh my God, there's so much stuff to learn. I need more time. Yeah. So, so yeah. all right. So when you were in the U.S., we worked together. You did some pen testing stuff, but you weren't a full-time pen tester, right? But that's what you wanted to be. So, so give me an idea. You've, you've been doing this for a year now. Give, you know, B and whoever else an idea. Is it everything that you thought it would be? You know, uh, I guess we'll start with that. Yeah. Is it everything I thought it would be? Kind of. Yes. Initially, it was extremely exciting because I was like, oh my God, you know, there's like a, because it's like a, it's not an internal pen test, uh, you know, like company. It's we perform pen tests for other companies, like clients. So it's, it's a new environment, a new application, a new everything every week, if not once, like every two weeks. But that is definitely exciting. It has a lot of, uh, you know, you do spend a lot of your nights learning about the new stuff so you're going to face, uh, you know, like next week, the coming month or whatever, because you have these things scheduled out for you at least a month out. So this week you might be testing some sort of thick client and, you know, if you've never done, like for me, I've never done any thick client pen tests. So getting into that was something new, but also I had to spend like a considerable guess, week, all the nights of a week, while I was testing another app, just learning and trying to understand what I can do with it. And, you know, it's just like, it's been exciting. It's been great. It does get exhausting, just like anything in security does. You do feel like there's a lot of stuff to do, but at the same time, pretty rewarding when you do find critical bugs and you know stuff like things you need to let your client know oh something i found or something really cool which you want your friends to know or your colleagues to know and i would tell you about like oh, check this out you know i found this crazy decentralization bug or something like that that's that's really exciting and you want to dig deeper into it yeah yeah so so it's definitely so, different right so you know i i don't think you know pen testing is one of those uh, you know, particular careers in infosec where it has no shortage of people who want to do it. Everyone like it's it it naturally draws people in because you know it's kind of the cool thing. They, that's the thing that's you know shown. You know it's Hollywood, right? It's hacking. You get to wear your. I'm sure you have. I'm sure your closet is just black hoodies. That sort of thing. That's um, all it is. Right. You just wake up and you're like, what black hoodie should I put on today? Yeah. Uh, but like the RGB lighting, but yeah. If you had, if you had like one or or more, but if you had like one thing that you would, you know, potentially caution someone who's who's interested in getting the pen testing, whether you know, like, you know, obviously it probably, I mean, for for some, I think it's it's the perfect career fit, right? Others, I think they, you know, maybe they think they want to do it, but they don't really know what goes into like either getting to the stage where you could be a successful pen tester, or they don't know like what it's like really day to day. Um, but like, do you have anything like you would caution someone, right? Before, like before, like, like not to, not to like put them down, not to like, mm-hmm. you know, but, but to say, Hey, just so you know, like, this is what, it, this is what it's going to take, or this is what it's like. Yeah. If, all right. This might sound like a negative, but I don't mean it that way, but I would caution you that if you're one of those people who really wants, you know, um, proper segregation between like your personal life and your work life and you want like a really good I don't mean like I don't have a work life balance but it definitely leads into my so if you think you 
you know, you're ready for it. Obviously, don't jump into it. Like, would be one of the things I would recommend to anyone. Like, take your time, get your fundamentals right, get your foundation right. You don't want to like just jump in head first and then you know crash and burn. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that you set your expectations in terms of how many hours can you actually get into something. If you're curious about, you know, like let's just say again, I'm just gonna go back to my example of deserialization, right? If you're excited about it, do you think would you be willing to spend your entire weekend, your seat, you know, you're seated at your desk and you're just at it? Do you think that's the person you can be? Or do you think it's like, no, as soon as it hits like 5 p.m. on a Friday, I'm done. It doesn't matter if, you know, I was looking into something or whatever. So that's definitely one of those things which people think it's it's the, it's it's cool to be in this line. Definitely, it's amazing. It's rewarding. You learn a ton. I think it stimulates your brain a lot more than a lot of other careers I've heard of. But at the same time, it's, yeah, you really need a solid time investment. Like, it has to be there. You have to be willing to put in the time. And it's yeah. going to be a lot of those. And I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on this also. Like, what do you think? You know, in ter- uh, you know, potential pitfalls in terms of getting in. Um, you know, I don't, I guess I don't have anything as much, you know, a caution against pen testing as much as I would invite people to understand that InfoSec is much more than just pen testing. I feel like a lot of people are like, I want to get into InfoSec. Like, how do I learn pen testing? And my first thought is like, do you, I I would, you know, I would hope that more people who are, you know, InfoSec hopefuls realize that there's a wide world beyond just pen testing. And a lot of it is equally, if not potentially even more interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, pen testing is cool for a lot of reasons, but I mean, you, I mean, listen to kind of some of what you just said and other like people who've been doing pen testing for a long time. It can be it can be a grind. It can be seeing the same things over and over and over again. If you're like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a consultant, you know, where you're going client to client and you're finding the same vulnerabilities. So it could get boring in that way. Uh, I mean, security research is cool. You might be kind of on the forefront of identifying new classes of vulnerabilities and new exploits and new techniques. But, uh, you know, that typically comes with either, you know, later in the career, in your career, when you, you know, have a chance to really understand kind of all the fundamentals, or it just, you know, means working a lot because you're, you know, you're up late, like, you know, trying to find, you know, break new ground in security. So it, you know, I would, I would definitely just tell people, take a look at what else is out there. I mean, there's all the, you know, blue team roles. There's, uh, I mean, what else? What else we got? We got security architecture. We've got application security, um, you know, which is, you know, just a lot of things that are beyond just offensive security or pen testing, right? Yeah, that's true, actually. That's fair. Uh, And I think, you know, not only can it be, you know, maybe equally interesting, uh, but just as, if not more so, uh, you know, rewarding from a from a career perspective but also you know if if you're if you're interested in getting the infosec because you heard that infosec professionals make a lot of money uh well don't think like you need to go do pen testing and that's how you make the money you can make money uh, across uh, infosec domains right you could be the you know grc kind of more on the softer side and make and make infosec money right okay. it's not specific to pen testing for sure, and anyone listening to this, I would definitely rec- like you know recommend looking at everything because yeah, 
it's you might think pen testers make a lot of money and a lot of the jobs do pay you know well but like you mentioned like it's there's a lot of roles out there like in vrc and you know like threat intelligence and all those verticals where people make a lot more money so if that's what you're after you might be happier somewhere else or maybe more fulfilled if you will but i mean it, again it's all about what you think success means to you right i don't want to like get into this whole different topic of success but that's that's just how i look at it right but okay let's say you after hearing all of this or maybe you've you've done your research and at the end of the day pen testing is what you want to do or maybe just at least at a minimum it's where you want to start regardless of maybe where you end up late career you definitely want to do pen testing right so so uh i guess walk me through when you kind of identified that like you i mean you kind of early on like when we first met you know when we first uh, you know you came on to you know to work with me on my team you were interested then in pen testing you had already like broken into like Cali Linux and we're doing some stuff there. So like, what about pen testing was interesting to you? It's just the whole like finding, I mean, I don't know, it's gonna sound pretty cliche, but what I mean is like, you know, just finding vulnerabilities and actually, you know, like exploiting them, seeing what you can do with them, how far can you take it? What can you get out of it? I think it was like a CTF I took part in in school and I think I that's the first time I popped a shell and I was like, wow, this feels amazing. I can't believe this can happen. You know, it was, it was more like real life magic, you know, like true magic for me. I don't believe in magic, but it was definitely, you know, like, oh, wow, this, this is amazing. And that feeling you get, that adrenaline rush is just, yeah. that's, that's why I was like, okay, I, I need to look into this. I need to see what's, what's there to pen testing and you know, what kind of pen testing is there? Sure. Yeah. So, all right. So you got the, you got the, a taste for it. Right. And you said, this is kind of what I want to go down. So like before you even got, you know, that kind of first job mm -hmm. you did, I'm guessing you did some sort of research, I mean, on your own and, and tried to identify ways to learn more. So I think there's a lot of people, I mean, I see it all the time, Reddit, people asking me, like, I'm interested in InfoSec or more specifically in this case, I'm interested in pen testing. I mean, like, mm. what do I do? And and nowadays, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there, right? I mean, there's there's paid for training, there's online free stuff, there's you know, yeah. YouTubers and Twitch streamers that do stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, I mean, we're at the point now where there's almost too much stuff. So people are more, they're less, you know, where do I go to find stuff, and more like, what of all of this stuff do I choose? So, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you use a lot of resources now. So like, what? what have you found to be like particularly high value or like, what do you, what do you like go back to uh, when you're trying to, you know, like in the beginning when you were trying to learn and, and now that you're, you know, kind of continuing to hone your like more advanced skills. Mm -hmm. I think uh, like starting off one of the best resources, which I thought were, you know, worth looking into for anyone would be like just, uh, again, this might be specific to web apps for the most part, but like bug bounty reports, you know, from Hacker One, Bug Crowd, these guys. It's like you see these novel techniques people come out with, and it's just something you can learn from, and you can maybe apply it in a different way, in a, you know, in a different application, obviously. But that's that's been one of my, especially over the last year. Like I've learned a ton from these write-ups and CTF write-ups. You know, 
there's obviously all your blogs, like Sans blogs, you know, Port Swigger, uh, what's that, Integrity Bytes and all that stuff. But from that, I mean, I think for the most part, I go back to my like e-learning security INE training now. And this is all of me saying it personally, but for the last year, I think I've abused my INE training. Like I, I'm in their labs every day. You know, they're, they're absolutely amazing. Obviously, this is not sponsored by INE. I hope it was, but it isn't. So, I mean, they're, they have amazing labs. There's a lot of information there. Every time I go through their stuff, I learn something new. You know, I pick something up, some tiny nugget here and there. And it's just, yeah, I've been trying to keep up with all this. And obviously, I don't, I don't want to forget Shellshock.com, which is an up-and-coming information <laughs> source. Of yeah, course, of it's course. like a free resource. And you're, um, especially the article about getting into infra- information security, right? I think that's something most people ask themselves when they're like, I don't know, 17, 18. In some cases where we've seen like 12-year-olds. But yeah. So it's yeah. just like, you know, all those kinds. Yeah. One of my, one of my, one of my proudest moments as a InfoSec professional is I, I posted that, like that getting into InfoSec post or the blog on uh on reddit and somebody said that it wasn't like that he was surprised that it wasn't trash or something well he was like unlike a lot of things i see on here this actually isn't trash so very proud of that you're like uh thanks (laughs) yeah so all right so so ine formerly known as e-learn security uh i i've you know i've gone through their ptp uh Mm -hmm. so they're kind of you know core like uh, I guess OSCP uh, competitor from Offsec, um, and so you know OSCP is is definitely one of the you know things that I see on Reddit a lot, and people ask like, oh, I'm interested in getting into pen testing, so I need to get OSCP, right? It's it's almost it's I mean Offsec's I guess put themselves in a pretty good position where that's I guess between that and maybe Sans like GPen like that's the mm-hmm. thing that that's you know that's the bar that people look to almost by default when they're like trying to get in. So obviously uh, you you did OSCP, uh, I guess, what, when, when was that? A year, two years ago? It's been three years now. Three years now? Wow, time flies, yeah. time flies, all right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what, what was your, like what was your OSCP experience? Aside from me like talking you into doing it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> the only reason I actually was, you know, like motivated to do it was because we both signed up at the same time for it, but and you talked me into it, so thank you. But yeah, it was, if I had like one word to th- uh, you know describe it, it would be exciting. I loved it. I enjoyed it, and it was, you know, like initially you feel like it's. It, it, I mean, overall, it's it's, it's a good course. It's got good material, like they have that whole try harder mentality, which is which has its pros and cons. I like it because at the time I was like, oh, it's pushing me to the edge, and you know, it's like challenging my extent of what I can do and stuff like that. But it also makes you want to like flip the table once a day when you're doing it, right? You're just so annoyed, and you freaking reach out on forums, and you're like, can somebody give me a hint or a nudge? And people just say try harder, and then you're just like, fuck, you know, like it doesn't make sense. And I apologize for my language. But, you know, like, overall, I learned a lot from it. I like the whole concept of, like, you getting that hacker mindset, you know? Like, the way of you trying to research more, try to dig into stuff more. If you don't get it in the first try, you try it, like, a million times. 
if you still don't get into it somehow or you don't figure it out, well, I don't know. Try harder. But apart from that, like, it's a great sort, but I still feel like I, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, fight me on this, but I think e-learning security's PTP is much more, I'm not going to say realistic because definitely people are going to kill me for it, but yeah, it's realistic from my perspective. Yeah. You actually, there's something you can actually use. Like, if I put you on a pen test after PTP, I'm pretty certain you'd be able to do most of the things, you know, I would expect you to do. But if I put you after OSCP, you might just think it's an, it's a full-blown CTF and just, like, go, I don't know, rip their internal memory. Right. Yeah, so, I've, I've been kind of banging that drum for a little while, ever since I I kind of did both back-to-back. -back. I did the PTP uh -huh. kind of oh, as yeah, prep. How was, for... was your experience with that? But yeah, I mean, I did PTP as prep, right, for for OSCP, because uh, in researching it prior, I read that you know PTP might be a little easier, a little more forgiving. Uh, you know, the labs are a little more hands-on, and the you know the exam is a little less stressful because you get you know you get a week to do it, um, mm -hmm. and you know that all ended up being true. But what I didn't realize then, you know, in taking the PTP. And, you know, and having, and this was before having taken the OSCP exam was, you know, kind of echoing a lot of what you just said, which was, you know, I felt that that was a much more realistic penetration testing, you know, like professional pen testing experience. A, yeah. uh, I mean, you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but do you have a lot of pen test engagements that are, you have 24 hours to do it and then 24 hours for the write up? Mm, or, never. Right. So you typically have what, yeah. like a week or a couple, at least a, a couple of days, okay. right? So and the, right, and so the PTP mimics that. You have a week to do it, and then I think you even have a week for the write-up, which is, in my which experience, just, but it's still fine. Like that's that's kind of, I mean, it's normal. I, it's not like I haven't seen that. Right. You generally get like two to three days, but yeah, right. And, and I and yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't. I mean, it, I did that write-up, you know, within a day or two. So, I think they just give you a week just for whatever reason, but I still think it's far more realistic than OSCP's like, you know, 24 hours. And, and I feel like a lot of people get tripped up even before they go take the exam because they're just nervous about that requirement. Like, you know, that, that kind of artificial, you know, just, oh, you have to do this in 24 hours. It's kind of stressful. Right. And then, and sure. then more, oh. more, more so than that kind of echoing again, what you were saying is, you know, the, the realism uh, is, you know, you. I think I found more in the actual, uh, you know, the I'll call them, you know, the the challenges that are built in, the things that you need to exploit, right, and and do within the PTP exam is far more realistic, right. So I had to, you know, I had to break in through, uh, you know, a, a DMZ like a web app and a DMZ, and then I had to move laterally from there and I had to, you know, find some, you know, custom software that I had to write, write a, you know, an exploit for, you know, a simple little buffer overflow for, but I had to like pull down the, uh, you know, the binary that was some like stored in a, a file system on a dev machine there. And then I had to, you know, pivot once more uh, into like a backend like Linux system and do like a Linux exploit. It was like, it was like some easy like dirty cow thing, but it was it was still far mm -hmm. more, you know, between the moving laterally, 
and like the finding the binary to exploit rather than just like being told that this is the system that has the thing that you need to write the buffer overflow for you know all together you know and it took me it took me multiple days like do not give me like i could not have done all that in 24 hours but uh you know with all the time that i I was given you know i think it took me like four days to get through it all the first three days i spent like hammering away like being stuck like right after getting past the dmz but like yeah and and then compare that to oscp where i was just it was just like five ctf box it was like hack the box like times five and then but also like there's a note here like we both took this in 2018 so i'm sure it's changed now with the new refresh and stuff so we don't know what the exam looks like but at least at the time it wasn't as realistic as you were talking about right i mean it's it's not yeah it's just it doesn't mimic a real world environment it's not there was no at the time there was no ad labs and nowadays if i mean 95 percent of the you know like internal pen tests we have they're always like in an ad environment right if you're only going based off the knowledge of cp again the older oscp then you're probably going to be doing nothing sitting in there you know right yeah i'm 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 curious because i don't know anyone or haven't spoken with anyone about the specifics of what the newer oscp exam looks like so i don't know and, and i'm not even sure that you know the you know the the loudest feedback about the older versions of the oscp exam you know echoed what what we were just saying i know that was, i mean that's my perspective and it sounds you know in, in your perspective but most of the types of feedback i see on you know reddit or wherever else is that you know that oscp is you know top notch and that it's you know a good experience and blah 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 but i, I you know and i don't see as much you know a much as much of like a critical examination of how oh. realistic it is i mean i have seen it. it's not like i haven't seen anyone say it uh but i i you know without that feedback you know and without maybe like overwhelming feedback that that mirrors that sort of sentiment i'm not sure offsec would make those changes but Again, maybe they have. I know they've revamped a bunch of stuff recently. Yeah. I've heard they've put in a lot of AD modules, so I would imagine that, you know, they're at a... They do introduce you to, like, something much more modern, like, actually, Windows 10 systems and not, like, a Windows XP box, which you need to tone, right? I mean, you don't see a Windows XP in a client. Okay, I take that back. But you know what I mean. So, sure. So, all right. So, you want to get into you want to get into pen testing. Do you recommend OSCP or like eLearn or certs in general, or do you recommend, you know, getting like web application hackers handbook or something, or like going to like Port Swig or like free tra- like what like what what's if if knowing what you know now, right, and yeah. knowing the skills that you have now that make you an effective pen tester. What would you like if somebody was looking for a shortest path, right? To 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 like, you know, getting their foot in the door for pen testing, for getting their first pen mm-hmm. testing job, what would you say? Well I would say that kinda depends on what their strength is or what they're looking to do. Obviously, what I mean by that is like, are they a developer or have they had any sort of, you know, like programming language experience? Do you think they'd get more into web app pen testing? Do you do, are they you know do they understand web apps better? Do they understand networks better? So 
kind of if depending on which which side they lean on. I would say if it's web app testing, I would definitely recommend obviously the Web Security Academy by Portswigger. Then you start doing some CTFs like the Hacker One CTF. You have Over the Wire. You have Pico CTF. You have Sans Holiday Hacks. You have Cybery. You have and what's it called? Pentester Academy, Pentester Lab. I mean, there's like a billion resources out there, and most of these are free, by the way, the ones I mentioned. So, I think like if you're going the web website, you have way too many things, especially with the rise of like bug bounty programs, which we can obviously discuss more about later. But everyone seems to be thinking that this is where the money's at, this is fame's at, this is the coolest thing to do right now, right? And I think it's a great way for people to get introduced to it, for sure. But yeah, you still gotta go learn your basics, right? So all these resources are fantastic. Again, these are free. But if you're going from the paid side, I, you know, I'm going back to INE, like, and eLearn, the web app pen testing course, the advanced web app pen testing course. These are amazing courses. I've been doing both of these uh, for the past. I mean, I finished up the WAPT. WPT, whatever it's called, and I'm doing the advanced one, and yeah, it's just phenomenal in terms of, you know, the content and the stable and private lab access that I get. It's just like, I've never had an issue with it, so I've been loving it so far, and I recommend it to anyone. Like, at this point, if anybody asks me for, like, if you're getting into web app pen testing, what's the, you know, what kind of training should I take? If you have the budget, if your company's paying for it, I would just say, go get the eLearn web app pen testing course or the advancement of pentesting based on your skill level. So that would be my, you know, like for web app pentesting. On the you, other side, you could be, oh, sure, go ahead. Did you take the the WAPT, the WAPT? Did you take that exam? Oh, no, I didn't take the exam yet. No. Okay. I'm curious. Wait, what I got that the exam's like. Yeah, I, I got the fans version of it, which was the GWAPT. So I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to take this one. I'll take the advanced once I'm done with the course and. As time permits, I'm trying to get through it, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty heavy course. Hmm. Yeah, it's I have really, I have an really... old old version of the Wapdex, mm -hmm. so I, uh, which I've gone through some of the material for. I need to, I need to, mm -hmm. I I plan on diving into some more web app stuff uh, soon. So I'm gonna go mm -hmm. revisit that old material, but uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll try to compare somewhat with what your material looks like and I'm sure it's probably worth it to like pay whatever I need to pay to upgrade it. Yeah. For sure. Like it's definitely good. And the best part is like now they charge like 800 bucks a year and you have access to, I don't know, 800 courses or something. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, there's way too many courses like right from cloud pen testing or reverse engineering to, you know, like analysis, CCNA, like, you know, routing switching lessons development lessons they have everything on there and it's all like bundled into one package which is pretty great if you think like you know for the value it's fantastic right yeah, Again, in my cool. opinion but what do you what do you think on terms of like you know free resources out there any ones which i haven't mentioned or something um i mean i think i mean i think a lot of people right they they are interested in getting infosec and they say i want to be a pen tester and they're looking for the the, the easiest way in and you know there's a, a couple you know things to consider when trying to you know break in i mean a you're i think there are a lot of pen testing jobs so that i mean it's 
I think at one at one time it used to be considered somewhat of a, a niche position, and maybe it is, but I, I feel like there's a lot more open positions in that offensive security space now than there ever mm-hmm. used to be. Um, and you know, thanks to the you know cybersecurity climate, right, with all the ransomware mm-hmm. and everything else, you know, there's an investment not in just pen testing, but security as a whole. So a lot of there's just more headcount across the industry, and uh, you know, that's just money slowing in that direction but you know so i think there's there are things that uh, you know look good in the eyes of hiring managers and hr departments so like certs are always like a big thing like okay go get a cert ceh right oscp sand certs don't forget security plus man come on that's that's like like starter cert you have to get your security plus well yeah but i don't know if sec plus isn't necessarily uh pen testing specific right i mean oh, yeah. i guess oh, there's yeah, the pen test plus okay. i mean CompTIA has has an offering but like yeah. you know typically i recommend you know somebody's trying to get into pen testing well mm. you know most important thing is obviously having some some skills right i think mm. but it in terms of like what's biggest bang for your buck or mm. or for you know for your time like w- w- you know what's the most valuable thing given the return on investment right so i think certs probably are still pretty far up there so if you can you know and ocp you know i think looks pretty good for a lot but it's certainly not something unless you're already a really good pen tester that you're gonna like knock out in a week right i mean you can maybe you can do it in 30 days i know i didn't and if you're new to the industry i you know would think that'd be pretty tough but it's possible especially if you're you know I don't know. You don't have a, you already you you don't have a job right now, and you're you know just have time to work on it eight hours a day, and you're super motivated. You could probably mm-hmm. do it. Um, but you know, I think you know. There's a lot of f- you know foundational knowledge, right? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. you know if you want to get into web app pen testing, it helps to have a development background. If you want to get into network pen testing, it helps to have like a you know, systems administration or help desk or network security, you know, a network engineering, you know, background. It's just going to help, you know, you're going to understand the things that you need to exploit better if you've worked with them in a non-offensive way. Right. Um, Now I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a big camp of people out there who are like, Oh, you want to get into InfoSec, then you need to be, you need, you know, you need to earn your way into it by being help desk for like three years and i don't i don't yeah i don't really buy into that i mean i was never help desk uh i'm not saying being a help desk for three years when it like give you you know you would learn a lot and that would help you in an infosec career but you don't need to do that you don't need to earn your stripes in a non-infosec capacity people can jump right into infosec and there's tons of jobs out there and generally speaking you know the it's not terribly difficult to learn on the job how to do infosec stuff i mean vulnerability management right i mean i that's i mean a couple years apart but like we both got our starts there and obviously we did a bunch of vm work together and i think we can both attest to it that it's something that a junior person can do it's not you know it's not rocket Uh science and of course you can you can learn a lot about pen testing or pen testing adjacent concepts in VM. So like I typically recommend, in fact, people have asked me, you know, on Reddit and stuff, like how do I get into, into pen testing or infosec? And I'm steering pretty much all of those people into VM. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
because like they need it everywhere. Like every company's got, you know, people who are trying to scan stuff. Right. Right. Uh, and you learn a lot about vulnerabilities, which are, you will get very acquainted with in a pen testing role. You need to know a lot about vulnerabilities. Right. So no, that's actually fair. That's probably, I think one of the best ways to get in. Yeah. Cause you're seeing these vulnerabilities come in and all your scans on a day-to-day basis. And you're like kind of analyzing them, if you will, even if you're just slapping them in reports and just you know, handing them out, but you still see something and then you learn something from it. And if you deep dive, you know, you kind of understand more if that gets you at the end of the day, if, if you're curious enough, yes, you can definitely pick up on all of these skills. And I agree on the job. Yes, that's definitely possible. There's a lot of junior pen testing positions out there. Cybersecurity is a really hot field right now with all the ransomware, as you mentioned. But yeah, I mean, uh, three, four years ago, I don't remember there being like a requirement for OSCP on, you know, like job postings and stuff. And nowadays it's like must have offensive security certified professional. And, you know, like CEH, actually, no. I take that like CEH. I, I don't see CEH that anymore. I, I don't want to throw any dirt on it, but it's, yeah, I don't see it anymore. It's, it's I've seen more of e-learn security certs come up now, which is surprising, but I'm actually happy because they're good certs to get, as we discussed before. But yeah, they have GPEN, GXPEN, GWAPT, and all your SAN certs. And also, note to everyone again, whoever's listening, if your company's paying for it, <laughs> Yes, you can go get sand search, but don't do it on your own money. They're extremely expensive. You're not paying $10,000 to get into like a one-week class. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, they're pretty expensive. Even, you know, I, I would suggest to people who want a sand cert, uh, mm. because, you know, they, they you know, the, the material is good. And, you know, the instructors are top-notch. And, you know, they do look good on your resume. But, you know, without any subsidized pricing they are super they're like you know they're pretty ridiculous to pay on your own dime especially if you're new to the industry and likely don't have a lot of money uh but they do have a work study um which you can get it's more expensive these days but it's it's far more discounted um so i think the roi on like your first sand cert uh and is you know it i think it's it's still a decent value um, okay. I think if you have the appetite for it, then I would, I think your money is better spent on, uh, e-learn or OSCP. Um, okay. I think OSCP is probably the, maybe, maybe the highest value. Cause it's just gonna, I mean, to this day, it's still kind of the, the, you know, it looks the best and you'll learn a lot, right? Maybe you, maybe you learn a little bit more in e-learn or maybe you learn a little bit more that's that's more practical in yeah. e-learn. I don't know. I mean, OS, the nature of OSCP is because of the try harder thing, you might learn a ton of stuff just because you've dived down rabbit holes in the, in the spirit of try harder for like mm-hmm. months on end. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would definitely I would definitely just Google work study if you're interested in SANS. Um, I think I've mentioned that before. I know I've mentioned it several times across my site to go check out work study. I've done it myself a couple of times and it's, you know, not only a good way to do a SANS course, but you meet people, you become part of like the SANS community, which is a good place for networking. Um, so there's some benefits there. Plus, plus they have like, uh, like summits and I don't know, there's a whole community aspect to SANS that you don't 
I don't think you really mm-hmm. get with OSCP or eLearn because they're kind of all like remote, you know, e-learning platforms. But right, no, that definitely makes sense. And yeah, to your point, definitely Sans has great quality material. Like the GXN class I took, which is I think earlier last year, that was like an amazing experience, and it was. I learned a lot, obviously. There was like some really nice rub chaining and fun going on with the advanced exploitation class, but yeah, it was like the Stephen Stephen Sims. I guess. Yeah, Stephen Sims. Insanely smart. Yeah. Yeah. Insanely smart. It was fun like asking him questions and him just like, you know, talking about it like he, he's been doing this since he was two. Because it appears that way. But yeah. Right. He's extremely smart and yeah, you know, the labs they have there and then obviously you get to participate in all the after hours, whatever, you know, and networking events and net wars and stuff like that. It's it's definitely an experience in itself. And I definitely I would recommend it. And surprisingly I'm wearing a Sans t shirt right now as I'm talking. So <laughs> Yeah, I feel like all I wear is security shirts. I don't I have a, actually have an A Cloud Guru shirt on. Who who did you see they were recently acquired? Oh yeah. The real site, right? I think. What's that? Does plural site? Yeah, yeah plural does, site. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice because I actually get a plural site license through my company. So uh, now I have plural site and A Cloud. And A Cloud recently bought, I guess, Linux Academy. So I don't know. Oh, They're wow. all rolling okay. up. So I have access to a huge, or I guess when that when that merger is complete, I'll have a you know pretty huge library of different things to learn. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I have too much. I mean, I have the old e-learn stuff. I have some education reimbursement that I need to spend. I've got plural site license. I've got a library of books. I got, I've, you know, yeah, more to chew on than I, I than I have time to chew on it. So that's always there. I think that's that's the nature. It's, it's always going to be there. There's always something new to learn. There's always something you know, out there, which you haven't learned, even if it's existed for 20 years, which I've noticed a lot recently, but yeah, I've, you know, like started diving back down into like C programming, C++ and C sharp. And I don't know, it's just like something I've been wanting to do since a long time. And I don't think I've like, you know, touched it in the past, what, eight years or 10 years or so. What are you getting into exploit dev or tools development? A bit, yeah. Like I, I do want to get more into like reverse engineering also. Mm-hmm. So it's something I'm really looking forward to, but again, it's quite intimidating when you see it at the first go, right? People doing all these nursing patches and stuff, and you're like, well, I have no idea what they're doing because it's just happening, but at the same time, you're like, I need to learn this shit. Yeah. Here's, the thing about reverse engineering for me is like I, I took I took like a computer organization course and learned like assembly programming, and I took a reverse engineering course and did some yeah. exploit dev and you know malware reversing type stuff and i took i t- actually took sans reversing uh, malware analysis course as well so like i have and and you know th- it's certainly you know there's there's a there's a technical difficulty to it yeah. uh i personally feel like i've i've met what it, whatever it is is like kind of the beginner level of understanding to do those things my problem mm-hmm. isn't you know the necessarily the i'm not saying i'm like some super elite like reverse engineer but like intimidation wise like i feel like i got the basics like i understand like windows like memory like you know os fundamentals and 
uh-huh. uh, what you know Intel assembly like instructions and and how to you know work in like a debugger, uh, uh-huh. right? But it's it's more how do I how do I like get practical experience doing those things? Cause unless you like exercise those muscles, like right. it's more like my, I feel like my knowledge in all of those areas is mostly is like academic, right? Like I understand the pieces yeah. in a vacuum. Right. But I right. don't, but I need, you know, I'm not actually actively like fuzzing, you know, right. tools that I use or like trying to find exploits or like, I don't work in a job where I'm, getting malware samples and I'm trying to uh-huh. figure out what they do. Right. And, you know, in the absence of having that as like a full-time job, like, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I just need to research this, but like, I'm what, like, what a, like a, a good, like high value resource for like, if you really want to become a reverse engineer or exploit de- developer, like, how do you, how do you like do that on the side? You know what I mean? How do you like learn that in your free time? Probably just like having a shit ton of time, like more time than I have, but yeah, pretty sure. I can. I mean, you have to give it like a solid time investment, right? I mean, in your company or your employer, whoever, they're supposed to be like, they would be enabling you to do that, you know? Like they, they're kind of giving you that moment. They're saying, okay, how about you take two weeks off, and we give you this time, or maybe four weeks off, so for you to focus on reverse engineering, just as an example, exploit dev, whatever it is, and just get to a decent level where you understand everything, and then. You know, as you go forward, maybe kind of like chart out a course, saying that two months in or three months in, you start helping out with reversing, you know, like trying to see what it's doing, all the analysis and stuff. You make your way from there, and then maybe that's the point. Again, this is just a guess. That's the point where you're like, okay, maybe I should open up my own fuzzing farm at home or something like that, you know, set it up. But it's, yeah, I, that's, that's the thing, right? I, I mean... You pick up these skills, like you mentioned, but you don't have any way to channel them out. Like, in my GXFan course, I did learn a ton of, like, fuzzing and exploit dev, but because I don't use it on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's just gone. I'm sure I can read it and get get it back again, like, understand it again, and maybe even be able to practice it, but to I'd have to keep doing it, at least on a kind of, like, a recurring basis for me to remember it. Same with assembly, same with like, you know, programming in C++, C, whatever. Right. And I think that, I mean, this kind of, for me, it just highlights the, the, you know, fact about InfoSec and kind of comes full circle to kind of what we were talking about earlier is that there's a lot to do and learn in InfoSec. And if you are like me and are interested in so many different things, you, you, you know, there's the, the cruel reality is that you even if you think if you think reverse engineering or exploit dev or pen testing or threat intel or threat hunting, you think all these things are cool. Well, you might think they're all cool at the same time, but it's pretty hard unless it's like all you do to be good right. to be like an expert, right? And be good at all of those things at the same time. So you kind of have to. And I'm not saying. I mean, certain you know some people are can can you know be have depth right and multiple things at once you know five six things at once but i think most people you know are experts in one thing or maybe they they can do two or three right but it's it's tough to be right it's tough to be a a master of all things um i think you i know if anyone who is you know a master of all of these things 
they might be really good at a lot of these, but just, you know, an expert in one of them. It's, it's like you mentioned, it's, it, it is really difficult to keep up with it and actually be able to practice all of these things at the same time in a day. All right, that's a wrap on this episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank uh, my guest, Sakrit, for coming on and chatting pen testing with me. Uh, stay tuned for the post show where we talk about beer and Celsius versus Fahrenheit and a bunch of other nonsense. So what do you want to be a master at, Sakrit? What's your... Beer drinking. Beer drinking. I yeah, I, mean, I feel like I, mean, I think I'm there. already. Yeah, I'm already there. So, yeah, I really want a beer now. But see, but... the thing is, with beer drinking again, it's about having the ability to to to, you know, get experience in that. And I get experience every almost every you know definitely every week pretty much, especially in the pandemic. I was getting experience all yeah. the time. Oh yeah, you that's know? all every day. <laughs> right. I got. I have international experience, if you will. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My beer resume would look pretty nice. I should create a beer resume. I think you could all, you're on untapped. Right? Yeah. No. I, you would think that I would be because yeah, I'm the on. kind of person that likes to. I expected and... you to be. That's why I was kind of like saying this, mathematically, but a colleague of mine forced me on there recently. Cause I've been sending him like pictures of all the beers I was drinking. He's like, "Get your ass on there! Let's stop tracking that." I, like, right. I kind of thought Untapped was isn't that like? I at first I thought it was like you remember Foursquare where you would like check into places. Yeah. I would like uh-huh. religiously use Foursquare, uh, <laughs> and it was like really stupid. Like I mean, from a, like a privacy perspective, right? <laughs> but I, I just liked I don't know. It's just like I mean the whole gamification of just like mm-hmm. I left my house today, and I'm right. like gonna <laughs> let you know about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Foursquare is still a thing. I think a lot of those things fall by the wayside, like probably big privacy push and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of died. But like Untapped, I always thought was had a Foursquare like element where you like check like this is the beer I'm drinking, but I'm drinking it at this place. You could do that, but I guess you, you can, can just say what beer you're drinking. You can just yep. say I'm drinking this beer. You can just say that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sign up That's for what Untapped. I do. Yeah, because I'm always drinking. I'm I'm drinking the, the the best beers all the time. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm only saying you can. Hold on, let's see. Yeah. Untapped. I think I yeah. actually might have an account. Let's see. <laughs> I'm gonna sign up for Untapped Live on this podcast. So. <laughs> I'm gonna look up my hmm. username or handle on there so I can tell you. All right. I guess I'm new. Okay, I was pretty right. drunk that day when I made it, so my handle is all pints. So, hmm. I'll have to think yeah. of a username. All right, I'm not going to do this live. I changed my mind. <laughs> and besides, I'll, I'll sign up later. I'll get a beer and I'll sign up and I'll have my inaugural, my initial maiden beer. Hmm. So that's pretty but, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'm always like trying to tell people what delicious beers. There's actually this place near me it's uh it's been there for a while for anyone in the northern virginia region it's called uh well it used to be called hill high country store but it's uh it's kind of like a roadside store that sells like fresh baked pies and other like country goods but they have they're under new ownership for like the last year or two and they have this super impressive craft beer section where the guy who i think runs the place has a 
a ton of like craft beer that he imports from around the world, like unique things that I've, you know, you, I mean, you don't see at, you know, mm-hmm. your grocery store, like right. Wegmans or even like, even like craft beer stores. Like you don't even like the, he has stuff that I've never seen. Not that I'm familiar with every single beer, but like at like total wine, like big places that mm-hmm. have a lot of different craft beer. So, uh, I'm always like getting unique things out there. So, but I haven't untapped them. So. You should. Well, yeah, well, I think it's a good way to just like maybe keep like a beer diary, if you will. What's funny so. is I, I, I do have – I have tried to manage like a beer diary uh, of sorts like just in like a list and simple note. Mm-hmm. Like, cool beers that I've tried. But yeah, it might just be easier to just – I mean the app or like has a has like a database right of like all beers right. mm-hmm. yeah. yep i think you can scan the barcode or you can just like type in the name and it comes up so pretty nice yeah. that way. but i guess the problem is like you know uh I, th- I think i saw like and maybe this is like a uh it's available in like a sans course but i'm pretty sure i saw like one of the osent guys like using using untapped data to do like osent on people jeez that's right. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you want to uh, want to avoid like, you know, you're logging one of your one of your delicious fourteen percent beers at like, you know, one p.m. on a on a Wednesday. Yeah. Because then, yeah. Your, your boss or somebody's like, okay. So. Yeah, you're right though. Like a lot of people, as I'm looking through the app, I see a lot of people like use, um, you know, the location tags on there. So you can like literally go to the maps view and see. So yeah, I don't recommend you giving it your location permissions, but yeah, you do you, man. If you like it, if you want to, I don't know if you're okay giving your weekly updates of where you like drinking. It's up to you. Yeah. I for one don't do that. We'll see. I, I I thought I had an account. Maybe it's just maybe I signed up to like Facebook at the time or something. I'll have to check it mm-hmm. out. So coming coming soon coming soon to Shell Sharks is a is a, a link to my Untapped. Good idea. Yeah, it, it it'll continue my uh, my my need to overshare. I don't know if you've have you have you looked at like I have a uh, I've been keeping like it's almost like it's almost like a a journal of sorts. Uh, but I've been posting I've been posting that actually on the site. But in there, I've been I've been writing a little bit about the different uh, breweries and wineries that I've been going to in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, Ooh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so there's, you know, one thing about this area that I haven't really got to take full advantage of since we moved out here was, was yeah, I mean, just the the crazy amount of breweries that popped up. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's been pretty good. Actually, I plan on going this weekend. <laughs> nice yeah yeah we're finally out of lockdown here in uh toronto so that's that's great so i'm probably gonna go head to brewery as well on saturday nice yep finally get in the sun the 30 degree weather hot as hell (laughs) celsius for all my celsius yes look i'm gonna tell you (laughs) i'll say it's it's probably 80 
have we? Yeah. Is Fahrenheit. There I you don't go. know if we've had this conversation before, but I know I've had it with somebody from, you know, a non-US. You've person. had it with me. But yeah, I mean, I just want to say it out, just get it on the public record here. The metric system is cool. Like, I, I think the US should move. Like, feet is a dumb measurement. Uh, but you know what's? But Celsius is a, Celsius is a dumb measurement. I mean, that's like the dumbest okay, measurement. Come on. All right, because yeah. because it's not. I think you know, it's not a. It's not linear, right? Which is bothersome to me, mm-hmm. right? Like thirty to thirty-one is different than thirty-one to thirty. You know, two. It's yep. different than you know. So it not being linear is like complete nonsense to me. Plus, you know, the from from zero, which is freezing, to what thirty-five, which is like hot, like super hot. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a lot. Like you know. It makes oh, more so sense. you want you want to dramatize the whole thing? Like it's it should be like a legit scale. So that's just because you're used to it, right? Because like fifty is what fifty is cold, right? Kind of cold. Fifty? Yeah, fifty yeah. is pretty brisk. Yeah, so, I mean, and seventy is pretty. Seventy is good. Eighty is pretty hot. But then, I mean, yeah, I guess I I guess I see your point, right? You kind of. I don't know, squeezing that whole thing down where zero is, yeah, freezing, and then you have 10, which is good-ish weather. And then when you get to 15, it's fantastic. Get closer to 20, it starts getting warm, 30s on, and trust me, I've lived in India, so I know I've been through like 47 degrees Celsius, and it gets really hot. Yeah, I mean, part of it is just, you know, being being a Fahrenheit person forever, you know, when you say, oh my, oh wow, it's 47 degrees, I'm like, that means nothing. In fact, in all my the, the traveling I've done, like internationally, everything's of course Celsius, right? It's like in Europe. Exactly. That's what I was gonna ask. <laughs> that was my next question. I was like, "Don't you traveled a lot?" <laughs> well, right, but it's always confusing to me. It's like today it's gonna be like thirty something, and I'm like, you know, like mid thirties, and I'm like, okay, like that doesn't seem so bad. But then I go outside, I'm like, God, it's so hot. Like, <laughs> right. that makes sense. Yeah. I guess it's just what you're used to, right? Yeah, I mean, as you know, and conversion I, is not easy. I'll let you know. If you were thinking forty-seven degrees, what's that in Fahrenheit? I would guess maybe one hundred and twenty-five or something. But and I, you know, I already don't really want to do that much math, much less you know that yeah. Celsius math. No, thank you. I'm actually gonna see how you convert. Oh, I was close enough. It's one hundred and sixteen Fahrenheit. 47 mm. degrees Celsius. You multiply it by 9 over 5 and then add 32 to it, and that's how you get Fahrenheit. That's such a stupid way of doing it. Why should I do go through all that complex math when I can just say 47 degrees Celsius? Yeah, all right. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. No Celsius for me. <laughs> Everything else is fine. But, uh, you know, as riveting as it is for us to complain about Celsius versus Fahrenheit for a while, we might just wrap it up there. Next time, though, I, I, you know, what are we? What are we running at? We're like over, just over an hour now. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your particular web app pen testing strategy, but uh, we can chat about that later. Next time. I mean, we can do it on yeah, the Shellshocks right. podcast. Continue, you know. Yeah. You should say that again. Next time on the Shellshocks podcast. I know it sounds do you really wanna, cool. Do you want to add one of those lasers and shit now? Come on. Oh, can I do I didn't hear a single one, man. Well, let's hear it. I, did, I didn't do any lasers. Lasers. Yeah. Bam. Or, Wait, wait, is this one sound cool? Next time on the Shell Sharks podcast. Is Thunder cool? Oof. Yeah, know. that was good. I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> as you should. All right. Well, on that note, here I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this in because oh, that just came out of nowhere. I'm gonna have to fix that. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I guess it makes more sense to like have it come in soft. I n I normally do that in post. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, Wait. All right. Because of that. All I'm right. Just... Oh man. <laughs> I was gonna do that anyway. Was that for my security plus comment? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go. I think it's about the rain. I gotta go. Batten down. The All right. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot for having me. I don't know if you're still recording, but yeah, thanks for having me. Let's chat up again soon to be continued. Yeah, man. Take it easy. You too. Have a good one.